Mm. So, mm. how distant is distance? Are you in Singapore? <laughs> Are you in America? Are you in Massachusetts? Are you in South Africa? Are you in Germany? Are you sitting in a place in Britain, in West Sussex? Are you in London? Where are you? What's distance? <laughs> yeah. Where am I? For you, a voice, an image on a screen, perceptions arising. Yeah. How distant are you from someone sitting next to you on the train, on the airplane? Perhaps 10 centimetres away, but could be in a completely different area of awareness, couldn't you? The illusion of distance. You know, you can be pressed up against somebody completely unaware of who they are, what's happening. You can be 5,000 miles away from them and have a clear resonance and understanding and closeness. What an illusion distances, an illusion created by sense consciousness. Yeah. In citta, there's no such distance. The space, space is the degree of openness and dispassion present. So with citta you can always get space. If there's dispassion, clarity, attention, space will be there. Space means the absence of pressure, the absence of being pushed around, the absence of being oppressed. Very helpful medium, uh, missing medium. People can have plenty of space physically and yet be completely crowded in their minds, obsessed with the future, the past, where they should be, could be, and so forth. Desperate. So much hinges then on citta. In the present. And the Buddha placed great emphasis on this feature of experience being the bedrock of experience. Just to remind you again, the... Um, Significance of this is, is from the Sutta Nipata 55.21. Someone's coming to the end of their life. Mahanama, concerned about coming to the end of his life. The Buddha says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your death will not be a bad one. When a person's jitta has been fortified over a long time by faith, by virtue, by learning, and generosity right here even though crows vultures dogs and so forth eat your body consisting of form the mind the citta which has been fortified over a long time by faith virtue learning generosity and wisdom that goes upwards goes to distinction this Make what you can of that, okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Here's another one. This is Sangita Nikaya 22 100. 
one should reflect upon one's own chitta thus. For a long time, this chitta has been defiled by lust, hatred and delusion. Lust, passion, doesn't just mean sexual, it means all passions for anything, you know, plastic animals, <laughs> postage stamps, whatever. <laughs> it's a certain obsessive, compulsive greed. Through defilements of the mind, the jitta beings are defiled. With the cleansing of the mind, beings are purified. For a long time. Yeah. So it means not just one lifetime. I, you see what I mean? If you're saying once, when the body ends, the jitta goes upwards, if it's been fortified by... Uh, purity, learning, faith, and so forth. Similarly, if it's been defiled, it doesn't go upwards. <laughs> now you can make what you like of that. I'm just reading you and what he says, the Buddha says, that uh, this is not just, a, you know, uh, something about making the present day life comfortable. It's about something far more important and more more important than that. In fact, more manageable than that. We can't always make life comfortable. But we can make jitta comfortable. You know, our bodies may not be eaten by crows, but they certainly will die, probably in a not very pleasant way. Yeah? And with all kinds of unfinished business. But the jitta, fortified by faith, learning, generosity and so forth, goes upwards. Your death will not be a bad one. We see death as a door that we go through. A very powerful and transitional period of time when the circumstances are stripped away and you're left with the bedrock of what you have fortified, developed, nourished, sustained for a long time. Not just moment, but long-term aspirations. Yeah? This is chitta. So... Important to, you know, the process of purification so the jitta is not bowed down and sunk in passion, aversion, delusion. Now what is this? Sometimes when the Buddha refers to jitta, it's almost as if it's some kind of thing. It goes upwards. Well, I mean, it's a metaphor, surely, but... Um, it is defiled, it's something that's worn down, it's stained. An example of the, um, this is the Samyujikaya 46.55, the Buddha's talking about the hindrances, and he says, well, you know, when your mind, when you dwell with a jitter obsessed by ill will, you know, it's rather like you're looking into a bowl of water that's heated by fire, it's bubbling and seething. So you can't really see your own face in it because it's so turbulent. If it's saturated with craving, sense craving, it's like water that's mixed up with all kinds of dye. You can't really see clearly. If it's overwhelmed with dullness, lethargy, apathy, indolence, boredom, that sense of the apathy, yeah? then it's like water that's covered with algae, slime. You can't see your own face in it. And if it's restless and worried and agitated, never settled, always maybe this, I don't know if I did that right, guilty and nervy and anxious and restless and hurried, it says it's like a 
water that's constantly swirling, stirred by waves and rivulets, you can't see a good, th you can't see a reflection in it. And if it's doubt, skepsis, it's uncertainty. Should I be this? Is it this? Well, I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Mine never settles. It's like a, this is like water that's unsettled, muddy, placed in the dark. You can't see your own face in it. So there's a few things there. This chosen, you know, language. The Buddha's using terms from the Upanishadic tradition. Remember, this is, doesn't come out of a book. It comes from a living tradition, a spiritual tradition. The Upanishads, the understanding. This is where this word chitta comes from. It means, you could say, primary intelligence. Uh, the spark of what makes a human being really a human being. Something that can be angelic, purified and also released. And this is the context in which this word is, is used. And uh, the understanding, however, whatever you want to put it, this is going to not be, this is going to go on through another lifetime. And he's saying, well, this is not about consciousness. Unfortunately, chitta sometimes is translated as consciousness, so the, the terms get confused. But um, in one sutta, he very roundly rebukes a monk who says that as far as he understands it, you know, his consciousness goes on from life to life. And the Buddha says, you foolish man, I've never taught that. Don't you understand that consciousness arises dependent upon a condition? Yeah. So it's always something. And what is the condition? The condition is jitta is somehow locked or impassioned or attached. Yeah. And that's the condition that acts as a stable basis for the arising of consciousness. And consciousness, in this sense, vijnana, means there's a subject, a seer, and a seen. There's two. Seeing, the act of seeing, which is consciousness, depends upon an object being seen, right? And a seer, someone who sees it. So we walk along, I am seeing the trees, I am seeing the cars, I am seeing the sky. That's that's the sense we have. This is consciousness. I am seeing the, the sea and so forth. But if you really pause, look, really focus on the act of seeing, the quality of seeing itself, there's nobody there who sees. Do you get that? When you're listening to sound, there's no person listening, there's, there's listening. The idea of being someone who listens is a thought. I'm listening to that, I don't like that very much, that sounds better. I'm looking at that, that reminds me of that. That's a thought. The person is created not by visual consciousness, but by mental consciousness. So these consciousnesses intertwine to create the sense of a solid reality that split into objects and subjects through which this, this apparent subject wanders looking for somewhere to call a home. This is Sangsara. The ongoing panoply, the ongoing scenario of life, death, birth, death going on, being this, being that, going here, being there, da, 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 distant space, time. And uh, this is called the Vijja Pachaya Sankara Sankara Pachaya Vijnana. This means dependent upon ignorance, not seeing, then certain 
activities take over. And these are chitta activities, chitta sankara, and they stimulate the arising of this separative consciousness. Hmm? Of me being there, yeah. but when you start to review it clearly, where is Ajahn Sajito now? What Ajahn Sajito? What are you talking about? I hear a sound. My mind is stimulated or confused. There's no Ajahn Sajito, there's just the sound and stimulation. And, okay. Where is he? What do you mean, where is he? It's, it's, in, it's in my mind. Right? That's direct reality, isn't it? And where are you? Even more important. Now, at any given time, probably where I am is I am thinking about what I could do or should do, wondering if I'm getting it right, um, feeling a feeling and liking it or disliking it, having a certain interest in doing this or that or the other. I am planning something. I am a little bit irritated by something, I'm nervous about something, I'm excited about something. Right? That's where I am. That's always arising dependent upon some kind of mind state. It doesn't arise independently. The I am is a non-existent entity. It's a dependently arisen experience that depends upon some kind of mind state that the mind is tethered to, activated by. Liberation is the freedom from that. Now, chitta, as I was saying the other week, is certain fundamental properties. One is probably, oh, I know they're all very important, but knowingness. What is knowing? Not thinking, but a sense in which Everything happens. Hmm? Uh, everything is happening. Sound is happening. Sight is happening. Feeling is happening. Moods are happening. Reactions are happening. Everything is a happening. Hmm? There's no such thing as a thing. Things are really events happening to chitta. And there can be a spaciousness or an awareness of that process as it goes on. Time and time again, as we meditate, as we listen to Dhamma, we're going to keep coming back to these references. Awareness of things arising within awareness. Perceptions and feelings arising within awareness. Be aware of what you're thinking about. So, you know, you can't get the words to get to go any closer to reality, they can just keep nudging to remind. You know, there's no such thing as a thing. What occurs is experience. Touching, moving, shifting, playing. Everything's dynamic and there's a knowing of that. Now the dynamic aspect of it, the knowing is still, it doesn't do anything, just, just like a mirror. The dynamic aspect of that, we say fundamentally, as I was saying the other week, it's affected. It means it could be emotional, 
but it's a little bit more than emotional. Uh, it means something is stirred. It's it's interested. It's purposeful. It's uh, uh, relaxed. It's tensed up. It shifts and changes. It's responding to experience. It's affected. It's touched. It's stimulated. Yeah, and that which is stimulated is chitta. Chitta is stimulated, activated, uh, and it is at the centre, you could say it's the centre of our experience. Everything happens to, you know, where everything else is, it comes together at this particular point where feeling and impressions generate a response. It's the generating of a response right in the centre. And, you know, and jitta acts and it creates. So, very fundamental property of chitta, or conditioned chitta, is it creates. What does it create? It creates waves, it creates ripples, it creates reverberations, it creates resistance, it creates passion, it spins around, it creates speculation, it creates a lot. And how does it create this? It creates this through the what are called the five aggregates. Uh, they're conditioned by feeling, perception, activations, consciousness, form. These creates these, it conditions, it brings these into being. So if we say something like form, when you say, well, surely form, that's not created by my mind. Form actually exists, doesn't it? Separate from my mind. Well, if you didn't bring your mind to it, you wouldn't notice it, would you? Right? So if it's... Uh, you can't be aware of a form unless you're aware of it. So it certainly only occurs where your awareness notices there's a form. And if you look at a very simple thing like this, your own physical form, where you don't see the back of your head. Um, you probably don't notice much of it. You probably don't notice your elbows, the size of your ribs your lower back, behind your knees, the back of your head, you don't notice the roof of your mouth, you don't notice the cheeks of your face, you don't notice anything where there isn't feeling. Right? So what kind of form is that? We look at someone else, what do you see? Probably their eyes, primarily. Most important feature, the eyes and the face, the expression on the face, the rest of it, shape, rough impression of shape. What kind of form is that? It's very much dependent upon attention and feeling and perception. Oh, that reminds me of her. That's what your name is. Yeah. That's a perception. So these are what condition the arising of form in one's mind. So chitta constructs uses constructive mediums to create external phenomena. But if we really attend to it, you'll notice that all the phenomena that you experience right, are really mind. They're the same nature. We might think, okay, well, my mind is a space through which thoughts flitter. 
In my mind is this kind of open space and thoughts run around inside it. So open space, thoughts run around inside it. Yeah. What's a thought made of? It's an energy, right, that travels around. And occasionally an emotion wells up through it. So if there's an emptiness and these forms arise and dart through it, you might have that idea of what your mind is. Or do you notice when a thought fades, how it just evaporates, or emotion shifts and suffuses, or how happiness wells up and subsides? Actually, these phenomena are energies that are aspects of mind. They're the energetic aspects of mind. So mind, as it's touched, generates the quality of happiness. Happiness bursts, rises up, flutters, moves, shifts, changes, dissolves into something else. Nothing really clearly begins and ends. It wells up, it peaks, it evaporates, it dissolves. It's an energy has this nature of arising and passing. It arises within mind, it arises within awareness, and it passes within awareness. So, what we experience is actually just mind playing tricks. Mind conjuring, mind conjuring, mind conjuring. And it gets fascinated by the objects that it conjures up. It gets alarmed by them. It gets frightened of them. It gets annoyed by them. Yeah. It compares them and contrasts them. Yeah. It's like a magician fascinated by the magic tricks, mesmerized, hypnotized by his own magic tricks. Yeah. And within that, the main spell that keeps that fascination with mind objects is this is what I am. These are mine. This is what this is what I am. This one means I'm bad. This one means I'm good. This one I don't want this one. I want this one. I want more of this one and less of that one. How can I get this? Where did I get this one from? Whose fault is this? <laughs> what did I do wrong to have this happen? And so on. Everything is identified with. And it's this lingering atmosphere of identification that the Buddha said is the vital key in whether one is liberated or not liberated. If this key is turned, fully turned, then there is no fascination with mind objects. Mind objects lose the potency and the power to keep arising because one is not interested in them. They don't mean anything. They pass away. So it's why the Buddha taught the fading of constructions, constructed phenomena, not through disliking them, but just through really seeing them as what they are not self, but flurries and movements that occur. 
Now, some of these are extremely convincing, and some of them are very, very habitual. They become engraved. So other than particular phenomena, we also notice there are particular strong tendencies. Here I'm getting critical again. I'm always criticising people, and I criticise myself. Here am I trying to get everything exactly right again. I'm always a perfectionist. I can never relax. Here am I feeling oppressed again. It's all my responsibility. I have to do so much. People don't look after me. Here are these particular strong tendencies, habitual tendencies that the mind runs down. And the tendencies are such qualities as ill will. Yeah. And so these are not just temporary phenomena, but tracks that are, get carved in the chitta. See, the jitta then is something that has a certain substance to it. Now, it's not substance in the gross material way, it's substance we call the fine material form or energy. There's a particular energy of anger. There's a particular compulsive agitation about being busy. There's a particular restlessness that occurs when I'm not being stimulated enough. Right? I get fluttery because I want something to do. That's an energy. The fundamental property of chitta as a property is, is an energy, rather like, a, like an electric field. And you suddenly push a button and everything lights up. Right? Just like you sent a current into a potential field of energy and it lights up. And we have distinct um, habitual buttons. Someone pushes my button and flash, here I go into... I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Somebody pushes my button, I get into, it's his fault, it's my fault, I start defending and blaming. Yeah, Something pushes my button and I feel guilty. Something pushes my button, I feel angry. <laughs> you know, certain things just light up. And your mind is completely wedded to those compulsive patterns. And these are like tracks that are carved through the jitta. And so it's saying these are tracks you must take very seriously because this is these are the tracks that will continue when your body breaks up. Right? These are these are your this is your railway lines. Right? Where are they going? <laughs> Do you think they're going to end sometime in the future? They only end when you stop them now, they don't end in 10 years' time. They end only through you now stopping them. Otherwise, they just go on and on and on. Yeah. When your body breaks up, they just go on. And so here we are again. For a long time, this mind has been defiled, confused, hoodwinked, deceived by these pathways, these tracks, with a compulsive, glittering, glowing, obsessive, passionate, power. The mind has been hypnotized by its own fascinations, by its own conjuring trick. And it's time to wake up, snap out of it. <laughs> and there's a way. Now this way is clearly through knowing, is very important, but also the whole purpose of meditation and calming and steadying the mind and working with the mind and what's called chitta bhavana, 
So in a way, all meditation is jitta bhavana. But you have these often these these two trends. One is called the jitta trend, and one is the panya trend, panya wisdom. So wisdom is the faculty of the jitta, just seeing clearly awareness. The jitta trend is the faculty of the jitta being activated and energetic. And you need to work on both of those. Because you can see things, you can witness, and somehow the stuff still keeps running. You can witness your mind going crazy and it doesn't stop going crazy because the track is too deep. You have to, that's why we meditate, to get enough consolidation of energy, the mind now gathered and collected in samadhi, so that actually the jitta is freed from these hindrances. Like the, like the Sutta saying, you can really see the clear water. You're not getting fascinated with the algae or the bubbling or the whatever phenomena. You see the deep, clear water and then you see clarity. You see with clarity. But you need to clear those. That scum, that turbulence, the agitation. And this is the, this is the practice of calming, of samadhi, clarification and its primary uh, cultivations finding a, a mooring point where one can stabilize to get the space and the second primary quality is suffusion suffusion or pervasion now this is not standard street language, but it comes from really understanding the quality of mind. It's not just an empty space, it's actually an, an energy, and the energy can rather like um, mist or smoke, it can steadily permeate through the field of the mind. Two kinds of suffusions are suffusions of loving-kindness and compassion, the Brahma-Vihara suffusions, whereby you, you just generate this and you start to gently spread it through everything you can, that comes into your mind. The quality of goodwill, compassion, uh, gladness, equanimity, you suffuse. And suffusion is, as I said, it's like a, a mist travels through, it's like a cloud that travels through all objects, that saturates things, steeps things, so that the, the bitterness or the passion or the fire or the turbulence is melted, it's melted away. The other side of the other aspect of suffusions is to do with samadhi, uh, qualities called piti sukha, piti is certain joyful, the mind's energy is bright, risen up. When the mind's energy is bright, phenomena that are dark, oppressive, are just as bringing a candle into a room dispels the darkness. When you bring piti sukha into a room, you don't have to fight the darkness, the darkness just dissolves. The clutteredness and the oppressiveness of the mind lifts. The energy of the heart rises. Yeah. If we even contemplate Buddha and bring that into our citta, the quality of Buddha, and you bring that into citta, 
you can permeate the citta with the quality of aspiration, gladness and Buddha quality. So it has this property of being able to suffuse um, and as I say, another metaphor, you might use it like, like steam saturates an atmosphere. So the atmosphere becomes damp, puts out the fire. Yeah. Just as when it rains and the water and the warmth of the sun brings the moisture up from the ground and it saturates the atmosphere. This is the jitter's ability to suffuse. And so this quality is not like surgery. You don't cut out pieces of your mind that you don't like. You transform them by suffusing them with gladness, with, with the qualities of samadhi, with the qualities of metta, with the qualities of Buddha. All qualities can be carried through this suffusive medium, which is an attribute of the energy of the mind. Just as these little light bulbs up here. Yeah, and there's some tiny little bead in there through which electricity is pulsing. It's um, whatever they call it, low voltage, only about two watts. And so, but that light now is suffusing the room, right? It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't leave the light bulb. <laughs> the light bulb is still glowing. But just the quality of light radiates, and so the whole room is then illuminated. Right? So this is the nature of mind. It's not dealing with sending one object from here to there. It's about picking up a skillful quality, lingering in it, taking it into the depth of jitta, where jitta's nature is suffusive rather than creative. Or it's a subtle form of creation. It's, a, it's the spreading of healthy energy. Uh, rather like breath. You know how breath can suffuse the entire body when you do anapanasati. It's really helpful to know this. Because in contemporary culture, your mind is kind of like a box with thoughts running around in it. You just want to get the right thoughts in there. And you get unpleasant thoughts, you want to stop the unpleasant thoughts coming in. Or if you've got unpleasant, distressing thoughts, you want to find some drug to put on them or something to cut them off. <laughs> you want some basic crude surgery. Uh, and so, the, and often what people don't realize you know, is just how much damage has been done to the medium of chitta through passion, through just excitement, through distraction, through aversion, yeah, through doubt and confusion. These are like passion burns through the chitta. It scars it yeah, to the places where, you, where passion is burned so deep you can't feel joy comfort. Hatred savages. It's like strips flesh from the bone. The mind that has been savaged by hatred and ill will grows numb. It loses the capacity for generosity and tenderness. 
And these are not just ideas, these are energies. So in terms of healing, satisfying, comforting, gladdening chitta, so that its true properties come into proper blossoming, we're able to quell, calm, cool, dispel the hindrances, realize the clarity. Then one can look into chitta and see one's true face. <laughs> what you see, <laughs> what is the true face of your chitta? What is the true face? <laughs> Find out. But it's certainly not a person. It's not a person. It's not a form. So, cultivating suffusions is to pick up a wholesome theme. Yeah, gladness, gratitude. Take it into the heart. Don't add too many thoughts, just till you feel it as an energy that starts to warm and glow. Linger in it. Lingering in it, it will tend to grow by itself. And then you begin to introduce body, feeling, memory, uh, discomfort into that quality that you've generated until it melts them the way that warmth melts ice without aversion but the ice begins to just because the underlying quality that's caused the ice the fear or the ill will has been switched off and this way we purify and clear the jitta Thus purified, thus fortified, uh, in this very life, the jitta inclines upwards. It seeks uh, the purity. It seeks the bright. In this very life, if it does that, then certainly in the passing of this body, that will do the same. Therefore, jitta should be understood, cultivated, cherished, purified and made central. So I'll pause here for today. Probably some things for you to think about. Maybe one or two points you can consider. Thank you for your attention.